We're going to spend a few minutes here just wrapping up the weekend. And for those of us who are part of the Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach family, it's also going to wrap up our focus on the father that we've had through this month. And the two kind of go together. Because what I want to talk about this morning is impartation. And I want to show you how God intends you to be a recipient and a minister of impartation. Because you see, too often in this life, we get stuff in here, but it doesn't go any further. Now, getting it in here is good. Don't get me wrong. I want you to have your mind filled with the truths of God. As Roger Forster, one of my earliest mentors, said, you need to have an inscripturated cranium. <laughs> and you do. But you need more than that. Because God did not create you with just a mind. You also have a heart and a soul that's your spirit and your body and your everything all working together to represent God in this world. And in order to represent God efficiently, correctly, fully, we have to have impartation because left to our own devices, we are not carrying the image of God as fully as he wants us to. And so there are three spheres that I want to talk about where impartation takes place. Let me define what I mean by impartation first of all. Impartation is the transfer of God's nature from image to image. It's the transfer of God's nature from image to image, and I'll explain what I mean. The first sphere where impartation takes place is through the Spirit. Jesus said, and I've written these scriptures out on my notes just so I don't have to keep turning pages, but in John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So Jesus says, I'm going away and all the disciples are like, oh, bummer. <laughs> now what are we going to do? And Jesus says, no, it's okay, guys. I'm going to give you another helper just like me who's not going to just be walking alongside you. He's going to be in you. Remember that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's God made visible. So what happens when Holy Spirit is in you? God You're frightfully visible. quiet. God becomes visible. Thank you, Roger. God becomes visible because of Holy Spirit in you. Yeah? Yeah. That's pretty simple theology, isn't it, Phil? But, <laughs> but it's true. God becomes visible. And in Colossians 1, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Did you catch those last two words? For him. Because when Holy Spirit lives in you, you begin to fulfill why you exist. 
for him. That was his plan all along. Now most of us are late to the game. We're only just catching on that the reason I exist on this planet is for him. But what I love is that God is on the move in these days and younger and younger folk are catching that I'm here for him. So you don't have to wait 30, 40 years to get it. You can actually start right away living for him. So there's an impartation of the Holy Spirit to our spirits that brings all this alive. Yeah? But that's just one out of three. The second area, which is also the image of God, is the Word of God. God's image recorded and, and crafted to reveal the wisdom of the Spirit. All of this library of books is a gift to us through the Spirit to enable us to move further into who we're made to be for Him. And 1 Corinthians 2 let me read a little bit of that. Paul's talking about coming to Corinth, and he says that there wasn't really much to make me special for you. I'm paraphrasing, just for the sake of time. He said, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We often joke around here that we just don't know what we're doing. Or that we're making it up as we go along. Or we're just simply following the cloud, just like the people of Israel did. You know, when you, when you see a pillar of fire, you follow it. <laughs> and you end up where he wants you to be. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. And we don't want to be those kind of people that we were praying about in the song, you know, we, where we know all the right answers and we know the right ways to do it. We want to be people of God's presence, where we move with the Spirit in the Word. And this is what he says. A little bit further on in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, It is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything. Now, some of us, when we open this book, glaze over. It's like, what? You know, who begat who and who, who's to be driven out and, you know, and what to do if you've got a leprous spot on your robe. Or, and it's like, huh? But I love this book. I love this book. But the way to love this book is not just as the word, but also in the spirit. Because you see, Holy Spirit breathed on all of this. And he wants to make it alive to us. And actually, he made it complicated. Let's go back to the word here. He made it complicated, not so that we would be confused by it, but that we would never get to the end of exploring it. You will never get to the depth of all of this. I heard it described a little bit like this. Classical music is accessible to almost everyone. I can listen to Beethoven and enjoy it. Now, as you know, my wife has a music degree and knows a lot more about music than I do. She can listen to Beethoven, the same piece of music, and she'll get much more out of it because she knows some of the depths of all of the, the motifs and the themes and all of that stuff. 
And then if we were to go to, to Coastal, to some of the music professors, they could probably tell us mind-blowing stuff about the same piece of music. Well, this is a symphony of love for all of us. And the Spirit breathes on the Word, and there's an impartation to our spirits and to our hearts, and not just to our minds. It's a mistake to read this book as a kind of instruction manual or a clipboard with a checklist. Because it's far, far more than that. Far, far more than that. But as you take the time to chew it, you find you discover more and more and more. And you'll never exhaust the depths. I love how Bill Johnson puts it. He says, God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. And so the area of the word is a second area of impartation. And my heart for you is that you would receive impartation from God through the scriptures in the spirit. So you see, I'm already linking these spheres together, and that's where we're going with this. All three of these spheres overlap. But there is a third sphere, and it's the body. Now, I don't mean your physical body, although that's important as well. You know, some of us have a greater sphere of influence in our physical bodies than others of us. Some of us find that it's getting bigger than we want it to, but that's a side issue that's not for this morning. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes this, just as the body, that's the body of Christ of course, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Like it or not, you are united with all these other weirdos. That's what God decided to do. Yeah? Now, for some of us, that's good news, and others of us are like, oh, okay. <laughs> but Paul writes then to the church in Ephesus, in, Ephesus, in Ephesians 5, he says, Look carefully then how you walk. In other words, live wisely, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. We know that. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we get together on Sundays. That's why we celebrate guys like Mike and Ira and the way Jane leads us. When we get together with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, something happens, doesn't it? There's an impartation through the body of Christ. But don't leave out the last phrase of those verses submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, every person in this room has something to impart to every other person in this room. That's why I had you do communion the way I did. 
Because God wants to use you to bless somebody else and use somebody else to bless you. Because if you look at your own body, you don't have, you know, fingers in your pocket uh, that you just pull out when you need them. No, they're attached to your hand. Yeah? You don't have toes on your feet that you keep in a box in the cupboard somewhere. You just pull them out when you want to put your shoes on. They're there all the time. And God has placed people in your life and in my life that are supposed to be there because we're a body. He wants us to communicate with one another and he wants us to impart to one another. So let me move into application. And as I've said, all three spheres overlap. And so that's what we're looking for. But here's the catch. In each of these three spheres, you and I need to make a choice. We need to make a choice to engage. We need to make a choice to step in to the place of impartation. Because in all three of those areas, we could be surface oriented. We could go, oh yeah, Holy Spirit's wonderful, you know. Um, Sherry laughs when the Holy Spirit touches her, other people shake, and Jane bounces up and down, you know. That's great, it's fun, you know. But now let's get on with life. Well, that's a very surface approach to the work of the Holy Spirit. Instead, let's choose to engage in the Holy Spirit's work. Because as we sang in that song, your way is better. So as I engage, the first thing I recommend to you is expect God to change you. Expect God to change you. Because he wants to. <laughs> he wants to transform you into the fullness of who he made you to be. So don't follow presumption. That was what Greg was talking about last night, those who were on the, the men's retreat. Don't just assume that it's going to be the same tomorrow as it was yesterday, because actually most of yesterday, with hindsight, is not how God wanted it to be. And God is in the business of moving us forward. So notice how the scriptures that we read actually overlap. I'm talking about the Spirit, first of all, and allowing uh, the Holy Spirit to impart to us. But did you see what we read when we talked about the body from Ephesians 5? He said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And so, in terms of um, impartation from the Holy Spirit to us, the first thing I need to do is to choose to yield to him. In fact, yielding is the key with all three of these areas. And it doesn't come easy. I want to be honest with you. You and I don't naturally yield to the Holy Spirit. We have to choose to do that. But when we choose to do that, when we choose to allow the Holy Spirit to flow in us, then something shifts because now I'm stepping into where I was created to be. So I want to recommend to you uh, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to allow him to move, but especially the gift of tongues, praying in the Spirit. Because when I pray in the Spirit, Mark is not figuring out what to pray. Mark is flowing with what God is praying. And I believe this is a gift for all of us. We don't make this the gift that everybody has to come in here gambling to prove that they're holy or anything like that. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. 
when I allow the Holy Spirit to pray in me and through me, I'm aligning myself with the flow of what God is doing. And therefore, I'm actually working against my tendency to take control and to do it my way. Which, if you read back into Genesis, was the problem in the first place. When I take things into my own hands, I do it my way. That's bad news. When I'm flowing in the Spirit, when I'm yielding to the Spirit, it's not just praying in tongues. Sometimes you'll have a download of compassion for somebody. Where you just feel drawn to want to express love. Don't resist that. Well, that'd be weird, you know, if I want to just show Morgan just how much God loves him, that would be really kind of bizarre. What's he going to think about me? <laughs> Thank you for sitting in front of me. But I resist that natural thinking, and I flow with compassion. I say, God has love for you, brother. You can receive it, and I want to impart it to you. It's flowing in the spirit. I nearly float in the carpet then. <laughs> so obeying the promptings, hearing what God is saying louder than the voice of all my religious training. Gosh, is that a battle? Just being real, right? We've had so much religious training, the oughts and the musts and the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and the don'ts and all of that crap. Right? I nearly said a much worse word, but then caught it just in time. <laughs> Psalm 46, verse 10, cease striving and know that I'm God. Just stop it. Turn to the person next to you and say, stop it. <laughs> we need people to do that. Okay? If you're irreligious... Because of the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life, we welcome that. Jane and I have friends who don't attend a church gathering on any regular basis, but we have commissioned them to watch us and to tell us when they see us getting religious. It's like, will you please slap us if you see us getting religious? And they would. <laughs> right? They would. We were around at their house just this, this week, last week, just to make sure that none of it's creeping up on us. We all need friends like that. See, we could go in there saying, oh, you need to be in church on Sunday. You do. <laughs> but actually, they know Jesus and they know what religion looks like and they're great, like canaries in the coal mine for us. Like, ah, hold on. Smells a bit iffy around here. <laughs> Had you caught, as you read the New Testament, that everything Jesus did was in the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes. If you and I are going to reflect him, boy, have we got to be praying in tongues. <laughs> boy, have we got to be listening to the voice of compassion. Boy, have we got to be filtering out voice of religion and accusation and striving so that we can flow and yield to the spirit who's in you. Remember what I said, you're a temple and his train fills the temple. There's a beautiful uh, fragrance of his incense in your life, provided you don't squish it and quench it and hold it in. He wants it to flow.
going to do something slightly different this morning. I want us to respond as we go through these three things. So can we just hold our hands open? And let's just close our eyes. Because I have the sense that there's some of us in this room who long to flow more freely in the gift of tongues. And if that's you, I'd just like you to raise a hand briefly so I can see it, so I can agree with you. Thank you. Yes. Because it's not a badge of honour. <laughs> it's just a love language of joy. So Holy Spirit, I just welcome you right now. You're right here. We've been here since we've all arrived. You're right here right now. Would you come and anoint each of us to flow more freely with your presence, with your power, and in your gifts. And for those who raise their hands, Father, I bless you, each of you, to simply find yourself slipping into praying in the Spirit, naturally, easily, without striving, without trying, without looking around and wondering if you're getting it right, just to simply move into that flow. I believe we should just do that all together now to give our friends an opportunity to begin or to grow in that. So if you pray in the Spirit, just continue to pray in the Spirit right now. Thank you, Father. You're welcome to continue to do that, uh, but I'm going to just cover the other two circles as well. <laughs> you may have heard me read in John 14 that first phrase, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. What I want to stress about the word of God is that that's the way round that Jesus said it. That if you love him, you will fulfill the commandments. It just happened. It's like if you, you know, <laughs> if you breathe, you'll stay alive. Yeah? <laughs> now, if you try and stop breathing, that's not going to work very well, is it? But he doesn't say, if you keep all these commandments, then I might love you. It's the other way around. And so, when it comes to impartation through the word, the starting point is to know his love. And then to open his love letter. That's why flowing in the spirit comes first. Now normally religion has said, oh no, you've got to give your life to Jesus and then we need to pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, if that way around works for you, that's fine. But actually, what the way I see it is you need to flow in the Spirit so that the Word comes alive. Then there's an impartation from the Word into our lives. This Word, the yielding I do, is to digest it. Not to read it at face value. Not to take proof texts and hit people with them. Not to beat myself up with things that I see in here that I feel like I'm not doing, but simply to allow this word to change me. We're going to have lunch in a moment. If you try and swallow a whole burger without chewing it, you'll be in trouble. Just a 
that's a free extra. <laughs> but in the same way, if we don't chew on this, we're going to miss it. It's not supposed to make sense at first reading. It's called meditation literature for a reason. It's that we get everything out of it by chewing on it. <laughs> but as we yield to chewing on it, then I'm changed by it. As I look at the links and the patterns and the different revelations and the... Have you ever had this where you read a passage and it, like, it reminds you of something else? that you read before, or follow that. You know, we're all used to the internet these days, or when there's a, a word underlined in blue, you click on it and see where it goes. Well, it's the same with the scripture. When you read something, it's, oh, wait a minute, there's something a bit like that somewhere else. You may have to go and Google it to find where it was, but follow those links, because as we follow the links, and chew on what we're seeing and hearing and reading, then we begin to be changed by the power of this love letter. Unfortunately, most of us have been trained to look for right and wrong and to make sure that we've got all of our ducks in a row theologically. And what you find when you get all your ducks in a row is that those ducks are wooden ducks because those are the only ducks you can put in a row. That wasn't in my notes, but it kind of slipped out. I don't want wooden ducks. If it all lines up, it's probably not God. Because what God created doesn't have a lot of lineup, and there's a lot of structure to it, and a lot of patterning to it, but it's so diverse and so beautiful. And it's not up to me to get it in a row. And uh, forgive me, any theologians in the room, I think systematic theology is an oxymoron. Okay, enough heresy. If you have a Bible or a phone with a Bible on it, can you hold it up for me? Because we're going to ask God to increase his impartation to us. As you hold it up, I want to commission you to beware of the pride of knowing the right answer. I commission you today, at the end of October 2023, to beware of the pride of knowing the right answer. Because there's life in here, and the best way to quench it is to know the right answer already. So, Father, as we hold your word, we renounce human wisdom. As we hold your word, we renounce proof texting and being right. As we hold your word, we renounce using verses, especially verses taken out of context, as weapons against one another. As we hold your word, we renounce not using the whole word, the whole revelation, as a weapon against the enemy. So that as we let this word, this library of wisdom and love, as we let this word draw us into relationship, that is when it becomes a weapon against the enemy. Because he doesn't want us in relationship with you. He wants to divide us. 
and, and, and distract us. And we renounce the division. We renounce the distraction. We say, Father, by your spirit, let your word come alive in my life even more. I choose to yield to it and chew on it and digest it, that there would be the impartation of your truth to my life. In Jesus' name. Final circle is the body of Christ. And the yielding here is choosing to trust other people who are not perfect. Choosing to trust other people who are not perfect. Could the people in this room who are perfect please raise their hands? In Christ you are. <laughs> But in reality, you're not quite there yet. Yeah. Even you, Marcel, you're pretty close. <laughs> God created you for relational connections, and he wants you to watch and learn from one another. And actually, there's, there's a whole lot more to it than that. He wants there to be a reproduction of his likeness as we grow up from spiritual children into fathers and mothers, he wants us to give birth to new spiritual children who grow up into fathers and mothers. Any of us who are parents know that one of the greatest joys of being a parent is to wait to be a grandparent. Yeah? <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> but there's this generational blessing built into the whole of the story of God and mankind. And it's now made manifest in the spiritual, where we grow into spiritual fathers and mothers. Our folks here, you've heard me talk about this multiple times because I believe it's so foundational. The problem with spiritual fathers and mothers, just speaking very honestly, is that half the time I don't want to hear their input. It rubs me the wrong way. But let me tell you this. It's precisely for that reason that God has placed them in my life. It's precisely for that reason. So if you have had recently somebody who is an authority of some kind in your life, somebody you respect, speak something to you, and you've gone, ooh, pay attention. Now, I'm not saying they conveyed it perfectly, but there's something in there that Holy Spirit wants you to chew on. There's an impartation. I hate it now that I've accepted the fact that I'm becoming a spiritual father. I hate it that most of the way God uses my spiritual fathering is by offending people. But it works. Right? No, it is true. There are people in this room who I've had to speak truth to them and offend them. And then they come back later and say thank you. Right? And then there are people who are not in this room who I've tried to speak truth to them and it's offended them and they've exercised their middle finger and departed. That grieves me. Because I want to be able to impart whatever God has put in me to whoever wants to receive it. 
And, and that's not about me. I'm wanting to model for you why you're sitting here. Because actually you're sitting here to be in an atmosphere where this is what we value. You're new men who've sacrificed a whole weekend to be here with us. You're here to receive so that you can give. There's an impartation in the body that gets messy sometimes, but it's essential. There's an impartation in the body of investing and releasing, which is what true parents do. There's an impartation in the body of, of, of affirming the gift of God in you. There's an affirming that God wants you to give to others. And even right now, as I say that, faces come to your mind. Grab that thought, because Holy Spirit is on this. He wants each one of us to grow into imparters of life. And he's showing you right now people that he wants you to invest in. There is to be a generational inheritance and it all comes together because you know you cannot receive impartation alone. The whole point of impartation is it comes through something or somebody. You can't just shut yourself away and get all that God has for you. There are no solitary saints, just like your little pinky finger belongs on your hand. And if you cut it off, you need to go to the hospital. And if you're isolating yourself from the people God has put in your life, you need to go to spiritual hospital and have yourself stitched back in. It's not good for man to be alone. God didn't say that because it makes a nice little message at a wedding. It's an eternal truth that every one of our hearts needs to hear. It is not good for you to be alone. And therefore God has created a body, the body of Christ. All these annoying weirdos that God has surrounded you with. So that, do you remember what we read? That we could submit to one another. Now, submission does not mean that I'm in charge around here and you've got to do what I say. In fact, I, I love none of the people I spoke to since I've been here this morning knew what we were going to talk about. But I've had, I think, three or four conversations with people where I've said, I commission you to do what you believe God is telling you to do in terms of around the building or what we need or whatever. Right, Carol? You know, you are commissioned. If you think this is the right way to do it, do it. Share it. If you think we should have coffee on the table over there this week instead of in the kitchen, do it. There's, it's not about who's the one person in authority. That was what the shepherding movement years ago got wrong, yeah. where you had to consult your shepherd to know what cereal you're going to eat for breakfast or who you were going to marry or anything disastrous like that. No, this is submitting to one another. Can I demonstrate for you what I mean by submitting? Can I borrow you, Corey? How can I make you more successful to be who God made you to be? You don't have to answer that, but that's what I'm going to say, and that's the hard attitude I'm going to have in my relationship with Corey. I'm not going to say to him, listen, I know better than you because I'm a lot older than you, and you need to listen to me and do what I say. No. Have I ever done that? Okay, good. If 
you ever catch me doing that, Sammy. But my hard attitude to Corey is, how can I be the kind of older man around you who helps you to be fully who God made you to be? Can I be there in the good times? Can I be there in the tough times? And I see this with many of you around the room. Some of you visiting, I don't know you as well, so forgive me, but that's the way we operate, right? Does it work? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it works. And I love it. And I picked on you because I love what God's doing in you right now, and I want everyone else to be able to say, yes. yeah, we yeah. see it. So that you get that affirmation of the body of Christ. But here's another way that I submit. Do you have any suggestions or input for me from what I did today? Because I know you will. And then the challenge is, will I hear it? Will I receive it? I think I might be getting a little bit better at doing that. You know, we submit to one another. <laughs> Need to land this plane somehow. What are we going to do? Let's pray together and just say, God, <laughs> I want you to break down everything that stops me doing the sorts of things we've just been demonstrating. And then I'm going to commission you and you're going to do an activity just briefly before we go for lunch. So let's pray. Father, thank you for impartation. <laughs> Thank you for the impartation that comes through your spirit living in every one of us. Thank you for the impartation that comes through your word as your spirit breathes on it and we chew on it and meditate on it. But Father, thank you for the impartation that can only come through other human beings. Thank you that you've chosen to touch my life with all these beautiful people. Thank you that you've chosen me to touch others' lives. Thank you that you've chosen to unite us so that we can each be a blessing to one another. And so as we're praying, Father, I choose to seek counsel. I choose to seek those around me who will challenge me to be more like you. I choose to receive correction and not let it uh, dislocate me from the body. I choose to allow the body of Christ to draw me deeper into your word and into the flow of the Holy Spirit. I choose to welcome the people you, in your great wisdom, have placed in my life. I want to renounce the pride of being right. I don't want to be right, Father. I want to be in relationship. So would you break anything in me that thinks that I have all the answers and I don't need anybody else? <laughs> Thank you for the joy that we experience when we find ourselves connected in the body the way you've designed it to be. And for the impartation that comes from all these weirdos you've placed around us. You're so good, Father, that you can bless us through one another, even though we're not there yet even though we've got so much we need to learn, you use us to bless one another. And it's beautiful and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Okay, here is your exercise to close us out here. 
I'm not going to have everybody come and line up at the front. We did that yesterday. Today, your commission is... Well, let me explain why I'm going to do this. Do you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? The guy said, well, who is my neighbour? And Jesus told the story. And the, the answer to the question was the one who showed him something. The one who did something, right? And then what did Jesus say at the end? Go and do likewise. So there's something about showing, doing, and there's something about just allowing God to commission us to do the same. And so what I want you to do is to go to someone and ask them for impartation. Now some of you know one another and you see something in another person that you'd like to benefit from. You just go, now, we're not talking a 30 minute ministry session, we're talking a one minute prayer. Okay? Others of you, you're visiting and you might just say, hey, you know what, there's this person that I've seen, I just like the way they smile, and I just want them to impart something to you. Just go and ask someone to impart to you. The humility of asking for impartation opens the flow of impartation, and before you know it, you have more to give. Does that make sense? So, let's all stand. When someone asks you for impartation, don't give them knowledge. Don't give them experience. Don't tell them the story of when you were in the same situation. Just simply draw on the Holy Spirit who lives in you and impart to them what they're asking for. Okay? Is that clear? So, Father, thank you that you want to impart to each one of us through each one of us. As we ask one another for impartation now, I believe that you are going to do something really deep in many of our hearts. And when you've done that, we're going to enjoy lunch together, so thank you for food as well. But Father, as we impart now, would you anoint us to live it out when we leave these four walls? Those who are travelling to go home, keep them safe and give them opportunity, even before they get home, to give away some of what they've received. Those of us who belong here, as we go out of here, give us opportunity to give it away. Now let us practice on one another. I commission each one of you, go to somebody and ask for an impartation.